this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode a constitution bench judgment of the indian supreme court on the 2nd of march took the appointment of election commissioners out of the sole hands of the political executive and assigned it to a three member committee comprising the prime minister the chief justice and the leader of the largest opposition party in the lok sabha appointments will take place through this panel till a law is made on the subject by parliament The bench headed by Justice K M Joseph said in his judgment that a person who is weak need should not be appointed as an election commissioner neither should that person be in a state of obligation or feel indebted to the person who appointed him the judgment also made a fervent appeal to the union of india stroke parliament to put in place a permanent secretariat for the election commission and charging its expenditure to the consolidated fund of india to make it truly independent To discuss this judgment I am joined by Raju Ramachandran senior advocate at the Supreme Court of India welcome to the in focus podcast Mr Ramachandran thank you amit thank you for inviting me Mr Ramachandran could you please summarize for the benefit of our listeners the salient features of this constitution bench judgment yes now this constitution bench was dealing with a batch of writ petitions asking for the court to prescribe a mode of appointment to the election commission which would make it truly independent and they asked for something like a collegium something which already exists in the case of appointment to the post of director of the cbi also for the lok ayukt that is a collegium or a committee comprising the prime minister the leader of the opposition or the leader of the largest party opposition party and the chief justice of india so the petitioners asked for something similar to ensure independence of this body it is in that context that the supreme court has given this rather elaborate judgment where it prescribes precisely that kind of an appointing authority it also makes what it calls a fervent appeal to parliament to put in place a mechanism by which the election commission has its own independent secretariat and its expenditure can be directly charged to the consolidated fund of india i mean what is your sense i mean is this the direction that we should be headed what do you think of the judgment itself i think it's a good judgment it was much needed and it became necessary because though the constitution makers had envisaged a law being made because article 324 itself says subject to a law being made by parliament the president shall appoint the chief election commissioner and other election commissioners now the court reasoned that it was specifically envisaged by the constitution makers that such a law would be made it contrasted the position of the chief election commissioner and election commissioners 
with the office of the controller and auditor general of india where the constitutional provision didn't talk didn't envisage a law being made by parliament here in view of the specific provision and the failure of parliament to pass such a law the court found it necessary to step in because democracy being a basic feature of the constitution you needed a body which was truly independent and you wouldn't have such a body if the power to make appointments was left solely to the executive the court also emphasized that for the protection of two important fundamental rights that is article 14 the right to equality and article 191a right to freedom of speech and expression to ensure the true enjoyment of these rights in the context of elections the court as the protector of fundamental rights needed to step in to give such directions so i think the court performed its legitimate role as the protector of fundamental rights in rendering this judgment mr ramachandra i'm going to read out a brief extract from the judgment and then seek your comments on it and the court begins a person who is weak need before the powers that be cannot be appointed as an election commissioner a person who is in a state of obligation or feels indebted to the one who appointed him fails the nation and can have no place in the conduct of elections forming the very foundation of democracy unquote so is the court in a sense saying that persons who are weak need and who are indebted have been appointed yes i think that's a legitimate inference to draw because judges of the supreme court are men and women of the world they are aware of what's happening they read newspapers they hear the news so their decision making would definitely be affected by what they perceive to be the reality on the ground the other question uh, related the quote which i want to read out uh, mr ramachandran is about the panel itself and you know how the supreme court talks about it being a fait accompli and i quote if the drawing up of the panel itself results in a fait accompli then the whole exercise would be reduced to a foregone conclusion as to who would be finally appointed what we find about the method involved is even proceeding on the basis that the government has the right to confine the appointee to civil servants that it is in clear breach of the contemplated mandate that be it as an election commissioner or chief election commissioner the appointee should have a period of 6 years unquote and this is another point that the judgment raises which i would like to ask you about that the time period of the appointment should be 6 years whether it is for the cec or for the election commissioners and also how the court mentions in its judgment how quickly this appointment of a particular individual took place even as the hearing was going on i'd like your comments on that as well that's right now the emphasis of the court on a 6 year tenure is contemplated by the law is to ensure independence because unless the incumbent has a sufficiently long tenure where he can he or she can dig their heels in and get used to the working of the commission they would not be able to assert their full independence also 
the reference to that particular individual shows how leaving it entirely to the executive can result in this kind of an appointment being hurried through without any real or proper consideration of the candidate merely because the executive has decided that he is the right person right guy let's say and so objective consideration detailed consideration doesn't matter you can push through the appointment and get the president's signature when normally for a post of such importance which demands independence a far greater scrutiny would be required so mr ramachandran what is uh, your sense i mean in a sense the appointment of this particular individual who are we, who we are not naming i mean we can because the judgment names him but does this actually validate the judgment of the supreme court the hurry which was shown by the political executive in appointing this person absolutely absolutely and this happening in the course of the hearing unwittingly this was a kind of a self goal by the executive to rush through this appointment at a time when the court was considering this question this gave the court a fresh example of why it needed to intervene mr ramachandran in at least a few places at least three places the supreme court is quite stinging about the media itself you know calling it partisan and you know essentially hinting that it's not performing the role of the watchdog that it should so how does this fit in with the rest of the judgment quite frankly it doesn't and it's a bit of a jarring note because whatever you or i feel about certain sections of the media a judgment dealing with another issue altogether is not the place where a general observation of uh, this nature should have been made that i thought was unfair also i'd like to ask you mr ramachandran that uh, you know the judgment stops short of giving you know protection to election commissioners as is currently available to the chief election commissioner i mean should the supreme court have taken this logic further in its judgment absolutely that's a disappointing feature of the judgment because the other election commissioners are as much in need of protection as the chief election commissioner and though the elaborate judgment of the supreme court deals with appointments of various uh, chief election commissioners and election commissioners one fact which is not noticed i'm sure you remember this amit it was sometime in 2009 that the then chief election commissioner mr n gopala swami wrote to the government recommending the removal of one of his election commissioners mr navin chavla who he perceived as being partisan now of course there was a wide perception that navin chavla was a very pro congress election commissioner but should this power have been given the as the constitution does at present to the chief election commissioner now just visualize the situation the election commission as a multi member body functions on the principle of majority and so if one particular 
election commissioner is not towing the line it will be open to the chief election commissioner to recommend his removal to the government and then the president can terminate his services now surely just as the chief election commissioner has been given the same protection which is given to a supreme court judge namely removal only through a process of impeachment surely the same protection should be given to the other election commissioners to preserve their independence so this is where the logic of the judgment has not been extended fully to where it should have been extended and what what is your sense uh, you know uh, mr ramachandran you would also recall uh, that it was in the time of mr pv narsimha rao that as prime minister that uh, you know it was turned into a multi member body if i am not mistaken yes and you know we've seen many ups and downs uh, in this whole no in fact in fact it was a little earlier in 1989 two election commissioners had been appointed by a notification without the law providing for it without a specific statute and then the notification itself was withdrawn so those two election commissioners lost their positions but it was a narsimha rao's time with uh, tn seshan as the chief election commissioner that through the statutory route it became a multi member body yes sorry please continue with your question not at all thank thank you for that clarification so so the the question i was asking you is that you know we know that this is a very political body and you know right through uh, we've seen previous election commissioners chief election commissioners we've seen you know that the executive or the party in power would like to use it as a tool to help it win elections i think that is quite clear from you that know that's right all parties all parties is not this dispensation or that dispensation so the question i wanted to ask you mr ramachandran you know you you've been a long term watcher of uh, you know constitutional norms propriety functioning of institutions uh, we talk about the principle of separation of powers all this how would you assess the performance of the election commission overall well overall to be fair to it it has been good one can't condemn the body and its performance over all these years india is a large country and the fact that elections have been held regularly and largely peacefully is a fact that we should be proud of and much of the credit should go to the election commission so it would not be fair on the basis of some partisan cecs or election commissioners to condemn the election commission or its performance as a whole but definitely the lack of independence of many incumbents has cast a shadow on its performance and would you say that this is uh, you know become a little more questionable in the last few years would you agree with that contention yes i think so 
And the other question about the judgment itself, which I wanted to ask you, I mean, I saw at the end of the judgment, uh, you know, you, you have a much better sense of it, that, you know, the constitution bench makes a fervent appeal to the Union of India and Parliament, you know, to consider setting up this permanent secretariat and charging its expenditure to the consolidated fund. You know, couldn't that have been in the form of a directive in, in the judgment? Absolutely. That's the other disappointing feature of the judgment. The logic is not carried far enough. If in order to ensure the independence of the election commission, which is essential for democracy, for the rule of law, for fundamental rights, and the court can go far enough as far as to prescribe a method of appointment. And again, let let me also tell you that this method of appointment was not an original idea because this was embodied in various recommendations, law commission, administrative law commission, Tarkunde commission, etc. And recommendations of the election commission itself in previous years. Then there were similar recommendations with regard to secretariat and independent charge on the Consolidated Fund of India as well. Now, having given those directions on the mode of appointment, these, I would have thought, would be ancillary and consequential directions which the court should not have hesitated to give. Also, I'd just like to, you know, take your mind back, you know, to Mr. Session, you know, who obviously, he was a controversial figure, but he really imbued the election commission with some independence. And I remember an interview that he gave to the Frontline magazine in which he said that previous election commissioners should used to sit waiting in the office of the law minister waiting to see him or seeking permission from the government to buy a copy of the Constitution of India. So he really imbued, uh, you know, the election commission with a certain stature and independence. Do you think individuals finally match when it comes to running of institutions and showing genuine independence? Individuals definitely matter, whether it's the chief election commissioner or the chief justice of India or the comptroller and auditor general of India. Yes, individuals do matter. But I also want to emphasize that security of tenure also matters. If you remember, it was the same TN session who in his earlier avatar as cabinet secretary was seen running behind Mrs. Gandhi's car. It is that same TN session pitchforked to a constitutional position with security of tenure who asserted the kind of independence which nobody perhaps expected. Which previously he had not shown. That's right. Hitherto unsuspected. So what is your sense? I mean, you know, this six-year thing clearly is an important, uh, you know, aspect of the whole judgment because as you say that, uh, you know, six years gives, uh, in a sense, you're suggesting people time to develop a spine. That's right. That's right. And the knowledge that they are there to stay, 
Mr. Ramachandran, uh, you know, thank you for sparing your time and uh, allowing uh, the listeners of our In Focus podcast to get a sense of this uh, important judgment. And I do hope you'll give me an opportunity to come back to you from time to time to speak to us on matters of constitutional importance and that relating to fundamental rights and the functioning of institutions. Thank you so much for talking to the Hindus In Focus podcast. I'll come back with pleasure. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for inviting me. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.